Vivaldi's Four Seasons means that it's time once again for this week's Senior Moments program. The Four Seasons theme mirrors our lives, and hopefully we will all have so many, many more seasons to enjoy. We do this show on behalf of the Glen Cove Senior Center. Good morning, everyone. I'm Nina Held. And I'm Stuart Held. Senior Moments is here every Saturday at 11 in the morning. Keep us on your calendar to tune in. Now, Good morning, Nina. Oh, thank you. I almost stepped on you. I'm, I apologize. Well, you Good morning. Do, I know. So sorry. I'm just doing my job. <laughs> <laughs> Today's show is with two people who just happen to be close friends of ours Florence Darling and John Tatungian. As you know, one of our missions for Senior Moments is to show that there is life after retirement. We've had authors, judges, police chiefs, actors, teachers, lawyers, so many different backgrounds that we would take up all of the time we have this morning to mention them. And I have to say that Senior Moments is starting our seventh season of Being on the Air. Where has the time gone? Can't believe it. Now, the Tatungians typify how important it is to stay as active as possible and have a fun-filled and well-rounded life. We will hear from Florence and John in a few minutes. But first, it is now time for our Wacky Wacky Word of the Week. Today's wacky word can easily be used in today's electronic world. The word is cryptography. Cryptography sounds like it comes from the crypt. Well, (laughs) never mind. It is a noun and means the enciphering of messages in secret code. Also, the computerized encoding of information. It sounds like a detective show, doesn't it? Anyway, it's origin. For a word having to do with secrets, cryptography has a surprisingly transparent etymology. The word traces back to the Greek roots cryptos, meaning hidden, and graphene, meaning to write. Cryptos, which in turn traces to the Greek verb kryptine, meaning to hide, is a root shared by several English words, including crypt, cryptic, and encrypt. So here's krypton, the name of a colorless gaseous element used especially in some fluorescent lamps and photography flashes, also comes from cryptos. The name was chosen because the gas is rare and hard to find. And I just have to add in kryptonite. I was going to say, after all. Uh, yes, kryptonite. Cryptography so. was today's wacky, wacky word of the week. week. Every week we try to come up with a joke or fact or idiom that we want to share with you. It is now time for our... Did you know? In honor of our guest, John Tatudgian, who has a computer background, we have four smartphone jokes. Hmm. I don't know if that really ties in with John, but it's just a thought. It's a good thought. Just a few jokes, not to bore anyone. So here goes. Well, I find this very funny because I don't think John uses a cell phone. (laughs) So we really are quite off base. But hey, here goes. Uh, You know you're texting too much when you say LOL in real life instead of just laughing. Yeah, I'm afraid that that's what's (laughs) happening in today's society. Yeah. Under the heading, somebody stop me. You know you're texting too much when 
you're happy when you get stopped at a red light. Yep. Oh, Un- that's very bad. Under the heading old school, <clears throat> you know you're texting too much when you try to text, but you're on a landline. <laughs> that my mother would do that. Sure. Under the heading of check before you send, the guy who invented autocorrect for smartphones passed away today. Restaurant in peace. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's about the funniest of them all. I think so, yeah. Smartphone jokes were today's did... Did you know? And somebody had to stop me. (laughs) And now to introduce our guests. Ladies first. Okay, so... Born in Brooklyn. (laughs) I thought it was me, the lady. (laughs) No, no, no. Ladies first to introduce our guests. Okay. Born in Brooklyn at Brooklyn Women's Hospital in Brownsville, New York. We have a little interesting tie-in there. My cousins had a meat shop. A, uh, uh, honey, honey, forget your cousins right now. I know. We're introducing it, it, it Florence. It just reminded me in, in, in the same area. Graduated from Martin Van Buren High School, Queens Village, New York, and went on to NYU as a psych major. In her early days, she joined the June Taylor dances on the Jackie Gleason show in the middle 50s. After raising her family, she became a legal secretary and subsequently a paralegal. Throughout her working career, she was a member of Theater 2 of Glen Cove. She acted, was a singer, a dancer, and producer for the 40-plus year theater group. During that time period, she was also co-director of the Single Gourmet, we're going to learn more about that, and opened a dance studio. During her divorce from her first husband, she met John in their divorce lawyer's office, where she also happened to be working. I guess it was love at first sight because they were soon to be married in 1999. John is her partner and is chafing at the bit to get started today. <laughs> Welcome to Senior Moments, Florence. Thanks so much. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here today. I've been listening and, to your show for a while, and I just love it. Oh, wonderful. And we are equally as happy that you are here. And now I would like to introduce John. John Tatungian is the retired president and CEO of a national information technology services firm. Born to immigrants from Syria who settled in Brooklyn, New York. There's our tie-in, too. There's Brooklyn. He started his career as a computer programmer with IBM in Kingston, New York, literally doing missile tracking, and worked his way up the corporate ladder with such firms as NCR, Bankers Trust, and Ross Perot's Electronic Data Systems. During his varied career, John founded, expanded, and sold several businesses and is currently retired. He is a graduate of St. John's University with a B.S. in mathematics and physics and a minor in philosophy. I don't know how we talk with each other, John. I don't either. that's not my strong side. <laughs> he earned an MBA at Long Island University, but that in, in Brooklyn, that is, with a major in administrative management. John has also served as an adjunct professor of computer systems at SUNY Farmingdale and has served on many boards as an involved member of the Glen Cove community. 
The Long Island chapter of the Single Gourmet, a dining-out club for singles, was operated by John and his wife Florence and ultimately sold it when it grew beyond the hobby it was intended to be. Most recently, he owned and managed an apartment complex in Brooklyn, which he sold after nearly 50 years of family ownership. And, of course, John lives with his wife, Florence Dolling, in Glen Cove. And, John, welcome to Senior Moments. Well, hello, everybody. Nice to be here. Uh, I think you exaggerated a little bit my, my, my histo- history of, of growth and expansion. We did? Just a little bit. I think you're being very modest. Well, thank you very much. Yes, and I, we're going to enjoy speaking about all of your varied experiences, John. Well, one thing I have to know right off the bat. So you guys met in a divorce lawyer's office. <laughs> we can't leave that just there. I think Florence can tell the story better than I. <laughs> okay. Well, it was my first day of work at a new law firm, and um, I was a paralegal at the time, and it was a matrimonial divorce attorney who, we, who I was working for. And I walked into my office, and there was a bouquet of flowers and a box of chocolate. And I said, wow, I've worked for other law offices. No, nobody's ever given me this. And I looked at the note, and it said, welcome to the firm, and it was signed John Tutungian. I thought he was one of the partners. Of course. <laughs> Later in the day, John comes into my office, and he introduces himself, and I said, well, I've never had a partner give me flowers and chocolate. And he said, I'm not a partner. That was the beginning. Yes. (laughs) Thereafter, I mean, this gives you an idea of of the kind of person I married. Uh And thereafter, he would stop in my office very frequently, because he was in the office a lot at the time. And always said things like, one of these days I'm going to take you out to dinner. One of these days I'm going to take you out to lunch. But he never did. (laughs) And he was so interesting. I really wanted to get to know him better. So after a few months of this, I'm going to take you out to dinner and I'm going to take you out to lunch and nothing else, (laughs) I decided with great trepidation because I grew up at a time when women did not make the first move. Oh, absolutely. To write my phone number on a piece of paper and stick it in my desk drawer. It was actually a beeper number. I was not totally divorced at the time. Ah, I was getting divorced. I and so was he in the process of getting yes. divorced. And I wrote my phone number on a piece of paper and stuck it in my drawer and I said, if he ever says that again, I'm going to give it to him. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that afternoon he came in and chatting and we're talking and we're sharing and he said one of these days Florence I'm going to take you out to dinner I said John wait a minute my heart was pounding like a teenager's I can't (laughs) tell you how nervous I was and I just took out the paper and I said open your hand and I stuck it in and closed his hand over it I said that's my phone number when you're ready call me (laughs) Well, I'm in my office two hours later, and the phone rings. And the secretary said, it's somebody by the name of Peter. I said, Peter? Is he a client? She said, yes. This is about five months after John and I met. And I pick up the phone. I say, hi, this is Florence Darling. How may I help you? He says, Florence, this is Peter. This is John Tatunji and John Peter Tatunji. I said, 
Why are you whispering? <laughs> he said, I don't know. But what are you doing for dinner tonight? Uh, and I said, I guess I'm going to dinner with you. Uh, and that was the beginning. John, oh, that's I didn't adorable. Thank you for being so shy. I am a very, very shy person. I <laughs> he bats his eyes no, as <laughs> the eyelashes. I think he go. was just waiting for me for yeah. an opening, so he wouldn't be rejected. Don't forget, we hadn't dated in years and years and years. Oh, it must be horrendous entering and a dating scene. It was when very difficult for me to just take, make that move because sure. it was what, what wasn't how I was brought up to be. Oh, John, I know. I we think would. I think you speak Arabic <laughs> from your parents, so I would imagine that. Uh, you could have done it in Arabic, and maybe she would have been confused. She was already confused. confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, that's, that's right. <laughs> but do you speak Arabic? Well, I can. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess we do. Oh, and what does that mean? It means, of course, I speak Arabic. I speak Arabic. Of the Syrian dialect. Of the Syrian dialect, yes. Well, what do you make of Yach Yach Fakhudi? I, <laughs> I, I threw that out in John before. It makes no, no sense. sense. <laughs> well, that, yeah, I learned that from, uh, I guess, a Jordanian, uh, Lebanese. Uh, yeah, right. So it gives us, it's totally different. There are, there are words that I do not know. Uh, so this could oh, be one of those. I guess it is. <laughs> So, uh, Florence, you were a bit of an entrepreneur. Uh, oh, let's those, go no, first oh, back earlier oh, in her career. Yes. How did you get to the June Taylor? Oh, I, I really, yeah, that's true. I want to hear that. Yeah. Do we have time before our break to well, go into that? Well, we, we actually, we do have, that was a good lead in my day. You like that? Yeah, our musical director, Dale Zerbrick, picks music for senior moments and tries to tie the music into the subjects of the day. For your dancing days, and then there you go, June Taylor, here is I Love to Dance from the Broadway show Ballroom, sung by Dorothy Loudon and Vince Gardinia. I love to dance every single dance when I'm holding you. In my arms No need to speak Just cheek to cheek Two people light as a feather We're even breathing together And as we travel Across the four seas It's more like floating on air Come and dance with me You and I can be Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire Tell the band to blow Every tune they know And throw in a tango or two How I love to dance Every single dance when the girl in my eyes is you I love to dance every single dance when you're holding 
sweet talk when we are letting our feet talk whenever I hear the music start. Baby, you're the partner I choose. You were born to be cheek to cheek with me. Arthur Murray can't shine your shoes. Round and round we go. Is there ground below? This feeling's too good to be true. How I love to dance every single dance when the man in my Senior Moments will be right back with our guests, Florence Stalling and John Tatungian, in a few moments. Go. This is the night of WCWP.org. This is Senior Moments at 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. Oh, I love to dance, every single dance, when the man in my heart, when the girl in my Senior Moments with Nina and Stu is back with our guests, Florence Darling and John Tatungian, And, of course, we're talking about their interesting lives. Now, when we signed off and played the song, I Love to Dance, that was in reference to the fact that Florence, at the tender age of 16... Really? I didn't know it was that young. ...tried out and made the June Taylor Dancers, which those of you who are of my age, our age, will remember it was on the Jackie Gleason show... And Florence is sitting here looking as gorgeous as ever and can't believe that it goes this far back. I mean, Flo, you've got to tell us about your experience with the June Taylor dancers and then how that led to your, of course, continuing the love of dancing and then the next step. Of course. Yes. Um, I was 16 years old and... My dad said, you got to get a job. <laughs> get a job. Oh. You have to start contributing. Oh. We were relatively poor. And so I was scouring the newspapers, and then somebody told me to look at a Stage magazine. Oh. And um, I think it was called Stage at the time. I don't know whether it was Backstage at the time. And um, there I saw an ad for an open audition. I had to go to an open audition because I didn't have any experience other than my my childhood experience. And um, And no lessons or anything? Oh, no. I had lessons from the time I was three. My mother had been a dancer, and my sister uh, danced in the Jewish theater, the uh, Parkway Theater on Eastern Parkway. No, Eastern Parkway. Eastern Parkway. Okay. And she was a chorus girl with Menashe Skolnick and Leo really? Fuchs back oh, in the day. Yeah. Look at what I didn't know. 
See, I didn't know that. Yeah. Stick and, around, you'll hear more. Oh, and God. she used to tell me all about it. And yeah. so she was an influence on my studying dance, and my mom loved to dance, too. My mom was a flapper, oh. <laughs> so she loved to dance, too. And so at the age of three, I started taking dance lessons. Ah. In those days, I think it was a nickel a class. Probably. Something sure. like that. And whenever we could afford it, my mom would send me. Yes. And... Um, so I was 16 years old. My dad said, you have to start bringing money, and we need more money. So I found this ad for an audition for the June Taylor Dancers. Uh-huh. I showed up shaking like a leaf. Of course. And filled out the application and lied about my age. I said I was 18. Yeah. And I had to get working papers, which I had to work around. Because of course <laughs> you did. Like, they're coming. They're coming in the mail. <laughs> and they hired me. After four callbacks. Wow. And each time I went down, I was as nervous as... You yeah. can't even imagine my nerve I level. Can. It was really horrendous. But the girls were all wonderful and very welcoming. And those of us that were called back, were, you know, we became friends. And there was that excitement of yes. who's going to make the next cut. Yes, know? of course. And I was tiny. I was very short, as I still am. I'm a short woman. Um, but they found room for me at the end of the line. Because yeah, right. <laughs> we do these circles and stars and all kinds of machinations with the camera coming down in like the center. Like the Rockettes. No, like, no, different than the Rockettes. We didn't do a lot of line dancing. We did these circle dancing. Oh, that was like Busby and Berkeley. But right? exactly, exactly like Busby Berkeley. Yeah, yeah. And it was a very exciting time. But it was very, very difficult for me because I had to go to audition straight after school. Oh, I was just going to say you were still in high school. Yes. And when I was 17, um, well, my mom died when I was 11. And um, at the age of 17, I took – that's another long story I really don't want to go into now. Uh, yeah. uh, but I took my brother and we moved out. Wow. My father had remarried and uh, it wasn't working. Did- and I was earning a living. Wow. So I took my brother, and I graduated high school at 17. Yeah. And um, the, the problem was that Jackie Gleason moved the company to Miami. Ah. And I, my, my brother was in school, and I was, you know, had been still in school, and um, it didn't work. You right. never told him your age. No. <laughs> no, never told in those age. days, in those days, we were able to get away with lying about our age. Yeah, yeah. we did. Yeah, and and, and fudge, you know. Yes. Oh yeah, my high my diploma is uh, lost exactly. in the in the paint job somewhere. It that's, was a yeah. very that's exciting because time. that's because you didn't have computers. Don't laugh. Absolutely. And with yeah. that, John, what kind of a company was that you were CEO of? It was a computer company which meant did what? Excuse me. Yes. Yes, we're not finished with dance yet, honey. Oh, we're not. No, well, John. Would hold you that mind? thought, Stu. Hold that okay. thought, please, because now, because of Florence's experience with the June Taylor dancers, we are going to move on to how Florence and I met. Oh. Which okay. was, of course. Oh, this will be interesting to me. Theater Two of <laughs> Glen Cove. Yes, Theater now, Two. Now, if you remember that we were doing, uh, I was in Theater Two. I was part of the founding member uh, right. members of the board on Theater Two, um, and we were doing the show George M. As a matter of fact, our daughter Rebecca, who is of course now fifty-six years old, was twelve at the time. And, and eventually came, became and one of my students. Yes, now Florence 
and I meet in the, in, in the, during the production of George M. Florence becomes the dance captain because we had an elderly choreographer who couldn't move too well. So she took over as the dance captain. She was so good. And we all so loved her that she said, you know what? I'm going to start a dance studio and take all these kids that I've gotten to know in the cast of George M. with me, including, of course, Rebecca and me. I came to your adult classes. Yes, you did. We yes. had a lot of fun dance, tap we dancing. We did, tap um, and jazz. And, and ballet. And ballet. Oh, please, we had a wonderful time. Oh, those days. We had good those times. Days. Those days. We had good times. times. Yes. You know, in so, honor of John's math background, yes. we're going to have Tom Lira talk to us a little bit about new math. Okay, good. Good. That's a good. And then we can come back and talk to John about CEO business. Put on new math. <laughs> Some of you who have small children may have perhaps been put in the embarrassing position of being unable to do your child's arithmetic homework because of the current revolution in mathematics teaching known as the new math. So as a public service here tonight, I thought I would offer a brief lesson in the new math tonight. We're going to cover subtraction. This is the first room I've worked for a while. It didn't have a blackboard, so we will have to make do with more primitive visual aids, as they say in the ad biz. <laughs> Consider the following subtraction problem, which I will put up here. 342 minus 173. Now, remember how we used to do that. Three from two is nine, carry the one. And if you're under 35 or went to a private school, you say seven from three is six. But if you're over 35 and went to a public school, you say eight from four is six. And carry the one, so we have 169. But in the new approach, as you know, the important thing is to understand what you're doing rather than to get the right answer. (laughs) Here's how they do it now. You can't take three from two. Two is less than three, so you look at the four in the tens place. Now that's really four tens, so you make it three tens, regroup, and you change a ten to ten ones, and you add to the two and get twelve, and you take away three, that's nine. Is that clear? Now instead of four in the tens place, you've got three because you added one, that is to say ten to the two, but you can't take seven from three, so you look in the hundreds place. From the three, you then use one to make ten ones, and you know why four plus minus one plus ten is fourteen minus one, because addition is commutative, right? And so you got thirteen tens, and you take away seven, and that leaves five. Well, six, actually, but... (laughs) The idea is the important thing. Now go back to the hundreds place. You're left with two, and you take away one from two, and that leaves... Everybody get one? Not bad for the first day. Hooray for new math, new math. It won't do you a bit of good to review math. It's so simple, so very simple. That's a bit of Tom Lehrer, which we haven't heard about. Oh, from. I, I don't even know if he's still alive today. Well, We're you know have what? To check Google. That's. Oh, I was just going to say that's a question <laughs> for Google. Is Tom Lehrer still alive? But but yeah. now can we go and visit the I John? I would like very much to Please. give John his due. John, yes. you were the CEO of a company, which you'll have to explain the the name to me because I'm. It's beyond me. Okay. The name name of the company is also an interesting story. The name of the company was Cornell Computer Corp. 
and uh, it was started by my partner. Uh, and when his accountant said to him, what's the name of the company? He said, I don't know. <laughs> he said, well, why don't, what, where, what street do you live in? He said, I live on Cornell Drive in Plainview. He says, well, why don't you call it Cornell Computer? So my partner said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I hope he was a little more, um, shall we say. Well, uh, that doesn't sound like there was much business at this point. <laughs> no, there wasn't when he started the company. <laughs> Actually, I joined, the, I joined him when we had four people working for us. And uh, at the end of 10 years of a partnership, uh, we had 450 people. Wow, that's an yeah. Uh, working in uh, 15 offices in eight states. Wow. So that's how we grew. We grew dr- dynamically in. Gram- we were in Inc. Magazine as one of the fastest growing firm, private firms in the country, and uh, we were eventually acquired by uh, an Australian company. Ah. They wanted a location in the United States and this company came and what made us an offer as the saying goes made us an offer we couldn't couldn't refuse refuse. yeah yeah so uh, we sold it I remained with the firm for three years as president and CEO I had to give up my chairmanship uh, position because they wanted to have their chairman in there and which is normal which is normal <clears throat> and um, they in, in, in the, at the end of the three years, I left the firm. And within two years after that, uh, the firm was doing business at the rate of half of what we were doing before we sold the business. Oh. So that didn't work out too well. But they were, succeed- they were very successful business people as far as uh, that goes because they turned around and sold, resold the firm. For more than what they paid us for it. Wow. Which is fine. Which is yeah. that's the way that's the way business runs. But anyway, that was that's a, that the name of the business was Cornell Computer Corp. the The Australian company was Computer Power Group. And you sit on a bunch of boards today, don't you? Well, I did up until recently. Uh, I decided that now that I'm 82, I want to retire. <laughs> for, finally, retire. I retired from uh, Cornell Computer, and then I went into the business with Florence, the single gourmet, and I retired from that. And then I had uh, owned a building in Brooklyn, which was a family yes. s- situation. My, my family owned the f- building for over 50 years. Whoa. And uh, I managed it for the last 20 years. And I, so I decided to sell it. We sold the building. Was that in Brooklyn? That was also in Brooklyn. Yes, it was. And um, I, I was actually born, raised, educated, and first lived in Brooklyn. Mm. And what, then what high school did you go to? I went to a school that's now no longer in existence. It's called Brooklyn Prep. Oh. It was run not by Brooklyn Tech. No, Brooklyn not Brooklyn Prep. Tech. Brooklyn Prep. Yeah. And uh, that school closed in 1972, mm. but still has a very active alumni association, which gives scholarships to high schools all over New York City. Well, we were somehow at odds with you because I'm the same age as you. Yeah. And we went to Erasmus Hall High School. 
because we that's so the neighborhood we lived in. I don't even know where in. where where you were located. Where was Brooklyn? Brooklyn Prep was in Crown Heights. Oh, oh Crown Heights. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I only know that because it my was, dentist. It was on Carroll Street between yeah. Rogers and Nostrand Avenues. Oh, we know Rogers. That that building still yes. exists. The building of the school. The whole. It was a square block, and uh, the school. They sold it eventually. Yeah. The the people the people who owned it were the Jesuit order of the priests uh-huh. of Catholic priests. It was a parochial school, and they sold it to Medgar Evers College. Ah, and Medgar Evers College, I I understand, recently indicated that they want to sell that sell, resell it again. Yeah, yeah. We have a music break changes. here that will take us to the end of this segment. Here is Mahalia Jackson singing. If I can help somebody. If I can I We'll be right back with Florence Darling and John Tatungian. This is Senior Moments on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org.
Senior Moments with Nina and Stu is back, and we are so happily involved hearing what John and Florence are doing and involved with. And I, I tell you, we could have two more shows after this. <laughs> they seem, we're not they seem busier now than, than ever they before. were when they were in their and, business life. You know, and we realize, I mean, between Florence is doing volunteer work, for Glen Cove Hospital, you worked as a volunteer in the emergency room, in the ER. and there's not even time to f- go through what you did, I mean, comforting patients, et cetera, and what you saw, to, of course, running Single Gourmet with your husband, which we also must hear about, to doing what you're doing. You're doing arbitration now. And mediation. And mediation. That's and not remediation. That's no, it's mediation. It's, medi- <laughs> no, <we laughs> it's mediation. And I, I tell you, we've got to hear how that works as well. Well, we, may, so, we have to have another show with them. You think? All. Well, which would we like? Which would you like to address, Flo? Would you like to talk about Single Gourmet for a little bit? Sure. Okay. Tell us how that really, how that started. Well, it started with uh, before me, actually, uh, before John and I met. John had bought the license to operate the single gourmet in Long Island. Aha! Uh-huh. And um, he hadn't started it or done anything about it yet. And then we met. Ah! Uh-huh. And we decided to do it together. Yeah. And I was still working in a law office. Yeah. And uh, full time, and so John started doing a lot of the work and then I would help him with the events and I would help him at night right with mailings and things like that yeah and the sing- what the single gourmet was was a place to go to meet interesting people that was safe and entertaining big key word and safe. great yes, yes it's a very good word because sa- it was safe particularly for women uh, men never had a problem with going into a bar. Of course not. But women of our generation always had that problem. Yeah. Nice girls did not go into bars That's when when we were growing up. And so um, this was an environment in which you could go out alone and not be alone. Right. That you, was well put. That's how I used to yeah. that's the what I used to tell people yeah. because that's exactly what it was. It was an environment that was safe because we had everybody's name, address and phone number. Right. You it was a place where men who wanted a one night stand did not go. Right. Because it was membership yes. and you could meet someone you knew. Right. Or yeah. someone your wife knew. This so is it also did not true. it did not invite that it did not invite that type of man. Right. It was an environment where we went we would have dinners at restaurants, very nice upscale restaurants, and it would attract people who were in could afford that of kind course, of, an, of course. entertainment yeah. and was safe for women. Yes. And it was not a dating service, but I must say I did a little a little matchmaking uh, on the side. side. <laughs> I used to help with the table arrangements, and I, you know, once I got to know people, I would try yes. to fix, seat of them next course, to each other yes, and things and like that. Yeah, but um, we had it worked out. John, John, and I worked it out so that I would greet people at the door. Yeah, give the, we everybody had a name tag with only their first name on it, uh-huh. and we didn't give out and last initial. We didn't give out people's last name unless we had their permission. Right. 
And so if a, a gentleman was interested in a woman or vice versa, yeah. um, they would ask us and we would then ask that person if it was okay. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Good. Yeah. So it was really so very... It was, like a, it was very yeah. safe. Yes. It really was a safe yes. environment. And we loved doing it. I'm it sure was you like did. having a wedding without paying for it. Exactly. <laughs> and you did make use of all the wonderful restaurants that Glen Cove Fabulous has. restaurants. So you've been... Fabulous restaurants. Yeah. And the old restaurants in Glen Cove, La Pache and right. Papagallo's Zangis. and Remember? Zangis. Zangi. And, oh, uh, yes. Well, no, Zangis actually had closed at that point. Oh, really? this was in the 90s. Mm. And I remember... Zangis because I lived in Glen Cove since 1974. So. Yeah, and we remember Zangis because we've been in Glen Cove since 1964. All right. so, oh, <laughs> that was so a great we, restaurant. We used though. to go to Zangis uh, on the eve of Stu's travels. Whenever he had to leave on a business trip, we went out to Zangis. And of course, we I had a fistful of dollars. <laughs> in those days, expense accounts. That's right. Right? right? Anyway, so moving on. Uh, more of your involvements, of course, uh, involve this mediation. Yes. I, so, I saw an ad in Newsday uh, shortly after I uh, had gone through breast cancer, and I wanted to give back. Yes. And the ad asked for volunteers to take a course and then help to mediate different situations. And I thought to myself, what a wonderful idea. Even if I don't pursue the actual mediation, what a, or they don't choose me. Right. You know, at least you'll have the education. At least I'll have the yeah. education. And mediation, is it helps so much in life. Yes. Of course, when you're personally involved, it's a little more difficult. But it, when you are a third party, it's a great way to help people. Could you give us an idea yes. of well, some well, of your uh, the, cases? I did various cases. I did everything from community mediation, and that could be anything from uh, his the leaves on his tree are falling into my property or what, you know. Yeah. And um, How about the one where his squirrels are on my fence? Oh, that was a woman who was not. <gasps> his no. squirrels were on my fence? Well, that was a woman who was not quite all there. I guess and, yes. not. So it, she had a very big problem with the squirrels. And, this, <gasps> and her neighbor was so patient and so sweet. That it was amazing to me. Wow. And what what was interesting about that is this woman came to me after the mediation, the neighbor, the very nice neighbor, and she said to me, you look so familiar to me. And I started naming things that I was involved in. One of them was Adelphi's Breast Cancer Program, which Uh, was a marvelous organization at Adelphi University. And I was a volunteer. And evidently my picture because Newsday did a story on me. My picture ah, was up on the wall. And so she saw my picture there, yeah. and she thought she knew me. Before yeah, we yeah. run out of time, I just want to jump to one other quick thing. Uh, you have a famous son. Yes, I do have a Well, he's, <laughs> he's, he's famous, at least in our family. <laughs> but well, he's in our family, too. So yes, yes. Why no, don't you tell a, us a very short, quick thing about it? All right. Him. My son, is, his uh, name is Ari Fuliakos, which is his father's last name. It was my first, from my first marriage. And um, Ari started off dancing in my dance studio, he's, performing in every show, and taking every class I ever gave, as well as my daughter, Andrea yeah. Fliakos. And um, about the age of, of nine or ten, he said, Mom, um, I don't want to dance anymore. I want to act. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, sure, whatever you want to do. So he tried out for the school play, and he got the lead in Toad of Toad Hall, uh. and went on then to be the, the lead in practically every 
every uh, school play that that right. they did. They were they, my kids went to Friends Academy. Uh huh. And um, afterward, uh, he took a course at Northwestern, and the director of the um, the whole program came to New York afterward and and had a talk with my then. A husband and I and said, are you going to support him? I said, in every way possible, emotionally, yeah. financially, whatever way. Well, from the time Ari graduated Duke University, he never asked us for a penny. Wow. Yeah. And he is now on Homeland and right. Law and & Order and commercials and doing audible books, and it's really, really... And that's wonderful, he's do, yes. He's a and great we've pride. Seen him and he's yeah, and we've seen him. He's yeah, a he actor. is. Yes, he's part he of the Worcester a, Group yeah, too I in know. Manhattan. Yeah, and that's a. Um, I, yeah, I. <laughs> it's part of your whole theater. I mean, you guys have been very, very active theater goers. In addition, of course, to having a son who's in the theater, but I know John has a wonderful story to tell. Right about you know, his. Your parents were immigrants, and they came in from of all places, Syria. And then, I guess they had you in the United States. They did. (laughs) As well as nine other children. Whoa. You come from a family of ten siblings? I had nine nine siblings, including myself, it was ten children, of which eight died. (gasps) What? Shortly, uh, they died uh, before the age of four. Oh, oh, how tragic. Goodness. And only my sister and I are re- remain. Oh, um, John, I my my um, chills. Well, I didn't it's know a, it's this. A, it's it's a story that I don't we don't publicize to everybody we meet. I mean, we don't walk around and tell people oh, I'm I'm one from 10. Um but that was a story and it was it was it was a period of time when my mother and father would have children. They came here. They my the story goes this way. My father came to the United States in 1922 with his brother, older brother who had been here. And he went back, the older brother went back to Syria and brought my father here with him. And uh, he, my father worked at two jobs in order to make ends meet. And and that was because he was sending money to his mother oh, and yeah. his sister. Uh, his father had died when he was 12. He became the sole support of the family. And uh, he, when he came to the United States, he kept sending them money so that they could live. Yeah. Women were not allowed to work right. in those days, especially in Syria. Um, so in any case, he came here and he worked and then he... After about six or seven years, after about two years he was here, he sent my grandmother extra money, and he said to her, find me a bride. And he says, this money is for a ring. And he did that, and and, and she found him my mother, who at the time was 13, and she became engaged to my father, who was 20, seven years apart. And he stayed here in the United States working and saving money until 1929 when he went back to Syria to meet and marry his bride. And she was how old finally then? 20. She was 20. Seven years later. She was 20 years old. Seven years later. Wow. And they got married. 
and they came to the United States right into the Depression, yes. 1929. And actually, my father sold apples on Orchard Street from a push cart. Oh, my. He would buy them for a penny, and he would sell them for anywhere up to a nickel. <laughs> he would sell them for two cents towards the end of the day. Yes, <laughs> yes. Just so he, you know. And a uh, matter of fact, he told me that a couple of times he had to just sell them for a penny. Mm. So anyway, they, they, they came here and they had children and one child after the other would die. They would have another child and he, would, he or she would die. And then, uh, then God smiled on them because uh, my father became very successful and he brought his mother to the United States. His sister had gotten married. So well, he she, didn't come as successful selling necessarily uh, apples. Not selling apples. <laughs> no. he, he was a jeweler. Ah, And okay. uh, he, he's, he, he, he had a, a gold license to own gold. At that time, you couldn't own gold. Didn't know that. Until you had a license. And he had a license, and he, he would sell the gold and make, make, buy gold and make rings from it. And he was very successful. And he sent money to his mother, and she got her. She was coming to the United States. She came to the United States, and she was literally kissed the f- ground that she walked oh, on when she when, when she, she came, came here. She said, I, "I can't wait to be with my son and his children." Of course, there was only me at mm. the time. And well, we're going to close the show yeah. with "La Cage Full," the best of times. And we'll go on a little bit. You know, we're going to do this again. <laughs> I mean, we really, we haven't even touched the I surface. I know, I know. And this was only half your story. We didn't talk about story. travel or anything like I'm that. Sure, we have a lot more to talk oh, about. Oh, yes. Okay. The best of times is now. What's left of summer but a faded rose The best of times is now As for tomorrow, well, who knows Who knows, who knows So hold this lonely face And live and love as hard as you Know how and make this moment last because the best of times is now, is now, is now. Now, it's some forgotten yesterday. Far away So hold this moment fast And live and love as hard as you know how And make this moment last Because the best of times is now It's now 
is now The best of times is now What's left of summer but a faded rose The best of times is now As for tomorrow, well, who knows Who knows, who knows So hold this moment fast And love as hard and fast as you know And make this moment last Because the best of times is now Is now, is now Now That soon forgotten yesterday This is Senior Moments on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. This is Nina and Stuart Held saying, before Senior Moments signs off for today, please remember... Youth is a gift of nature, but age is a work of art. The Glencoe Senior Center's website is one word, GlencoeSeniorCenter.com. Thank you for listening. See you on the radio next Tuesday. Now